Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus on the emotional connection more than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to episode 137 of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Aaron, and here in the podcaster ring of honor with me is my best friend and co-host, Patrick. How you doing, man? I don't know how to respond to that. Well, <laughs> well, Thanksgiving has just passed us by, so let us take a brief moment to tell you all thank you so much for listening. We've been doing this show, Patrick, for about two and a half years now, and it's been an incredible experience. Um, we're really humbled every day that so many of you listening right now enjoy our conversations. We talk about it behind the scenes all the time. And it's even more awesome seeing the Feel and Film Facebook discussion group continue to grow every single week, um, adding new listener voices to the conversation who are just in there sharing their thoughts um, and unique perspectives while talking movies with others. So you can always find a link to that, by the way, uh, if you're interested in the show notes, and you can also search it up on Facebook. We'd love to have you come be a part of that and we can tell you thank you even more often that way. But Patrick, last week we talked Creed and a lot of Rocky and had an absolute blast. And so this week we get to discuss Creed's first, because frankly, I'm assuming there are going to be more now, sequel. So let me also say that I'm thankful for great boxing dramas and thrilled to report that for at least me, uh, Creed two carried the torch, I think, and gave us another fantastic film in this franchise. With that said, here is our obligatory spoiler warning that we will be discussing Creed 2 in depth, and listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, we definitely urge you to do so before listening. It's been a really great week at the movies with Ralph Breaks the Internet releasing Green Book, which we'll be discussing next week. It also came out this week, another one worth seeing in the theater that's probably going to be in the Oscar conversation. So we understand if you haven't gotten to Creed 2 right when this episode is dropping, but we're hopeful that you will at some point over the holidays, and then you'll give us a listen at that time. But now, we can get into it. And uh, let's start off, Patrick, as we always do here, with our one-word takeaway. I have no idea what you thought of this film. You, I don't think, had any idea what I thought until I just told you. This should be fun. We're going in a little bit blind here. Uh, yeah, knock my socks off, man. What what what'd you, come up, what'd you come up with? Yeah, this is one of the rare times when we have intentionally and both unintentionally kept each other in the dark because we both had high expectations for Creed 2. I mean, when you follow up a movie that we've gushed over with a sequel, it can only go down. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. Unless, you know, like in college football, you're Alabama and you can just keep going up, 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 you know, not always the case. Um, and so add to that the fact that I had to go see it today, the day that we're recording. I mean, I've had to be in the dark. I've cut off all my social media, any relations to the to the movie itself. I actually hid the articles that you posted, your reviews, uh, in both the general, you know, your the Facebook discussion group and any other discussion groups that I've been a part of that you're a part of. You know, just call me blind. I was just completely blind. So I go in and I came out, and the one word that I took away from this was manipulative. Oh no. In a very great way. <laughs> okay. This was, oh my gosh. 
I wanted to box you and just go, dude. <laughs> I, mean, I love that you asked me. You said, do you want my reaction now or do you want it later when we actually talk yeah. about it? Yeah. I was, like, I was just ready to type, dude. Oh, good. Oh, man. I mean, I, I, I was wrestling with a lot of words, but manipulative kept coming to mind. And I was trying to figure out how do I make this just really, really appropriate for just how I'm feeling about this movie. And I can only say that there's two types of manipulation going on here. First of all, there is manipulation that goes on throughout the film. I mean, the motive to get these two people in the ring with each other comes left and right. It comes from so many different sources, so many different places of motivation. And so I'm living this with with all these characters going, oh, my gosh, they're going to hit each other like freight trains in the ring. And the way that they're getting there is so completely misconstruing truth and throwing in just deception here and there. But the thing is, emotionally, I was manipulated because I didn't really know what to expect walking into this. I thought, are we going to get like Top Gun 2 of the Rocky franchise? Are we going to get rock and roll and lots of just crazy punches and whatnot? And my expectations were completely if whatever they were, they were thwarted because what I thought I was getting, I got some, but I got more of what I wasn't expecting. I got more drama. I got, honestly, Aaron, I got more of the Creed consistency, the original film's consistency in this one that I, I really wanted instead of a, hey, let's bring back Drago and let's just literally throw punches and show up with some really fantastic fight sequences that would have made me happy, but this, being emotionally manipulated, being manipulated through the lack of footage in the trailers, made me completely elated. I mean, this is a follow-up that needed to be had. Like, it felt completely understandable. It felt completely needed. And by the time I finished the movie, I was like, all right, this is Creed. This is absolutely Creed, Creed, Creed all over, and I'm ready to get fully vested in any subsequent sequels that are going to come out from from this one. So, yeah, manipulative. Good. It's a good thing. Wow. Wow. Some good high praise. I'm excited to – So I liked it. Yeah, I think you liked it a little bit. I knew you would. I mean when I first saw it, believe me, I've had the same reaction, and um, that's like – that's kind of what it's like when when you're podcasting with your best friend. And not just someone that you talk movies with for a show or whatever, where, you know, I legitimately wanted to do the same thing and I have had to hold it in since Monday. I mean, I'm able to gush on the internet and kind of share it with folks that aren't you, but the first thing I wanted to do was text you and say, dude, as well, because of how I I reacted to it. And I knew, I knew knowing you and knowing your Rocky rankings after last week, I knew how this particular entry was going to affect you just because of the flow. And so it's no surprise to me at all. Um, but I'm very, very thankful and happy that it, it turned out this way for us. Um, my word I'm going to go with is pretty kind of on the nose here. I don't think it's a shocker to anybody uh, that would come away with this word, but I'm going to go with fatherhood. And it's the main theme of the film, probably the first thing we're going to talk about here. But, I, you know, it's because this film – addresses the idea of fatherhood from so many angles that I really enjoyed it. It could have done it from one, right? It could have been Creed as Rocky's surrogate son, but it it expands that and it takes it in all these other directions. And we get to see 
not just Creed's perspective, but we get to see Victor's perspective and how his dad, Yvonne, have has left a legacy essentially just like Creed's father left that kind of needs settling in some way. And it's because of the choices that both of these guys' dads made all those years ago. Um, you know, one has grown up without his father altogether, and the other has been raised entirely through hate with revenge on the mind. And not only do we have those two amazing tie-in stories of fatherhood, but we have Rocky here dealing with his own estrangement from a child in just this beautifully interwoven way that's that's so subtle but so powerful. And we have Adonis becoming a dad, like, to a daughter, which is another major plot point, and uh, it, it totally affects his ability or decision-making when it comes to whether or not to even take this fight and, and how he sees his new career, um, what kind of lens he views it through. So the stream of fatherhood in this, to me, is just so, so strong. And, you know, it, it was very well articulated from all the different character perspectives that I just, I really connected to it because of that. Uh, you know, even Victor specifically, I felt so strongly for him because of the way the film showed me his relationship with his dad. Mm -hmm. And I already felt empathetic for Yvonne, um, more than most folks do because of his film. Like I had, I had, I had an underlying sympathy there. I think we talked about that some last week and this just elevated that. Um, you know, I wanted, Victor to be able to make his dad proud and I'm rooting for a villain. It's very, it was very strange and amazing feeling, um, that I'm not used to. So yeah, I, I think this to me became one of the most engaging dramatic films in the series and it's total focus on fatherhood is really what elevated this particular entry for me. Yeah. The hesitation that I had was that it looked like we had a, pretty green director like this is not ryan coogler coming back to take care of the the sequel and so one of the biggest fears that i had was what are you going to do to this character that's been so massaged and created this cast of characters who have really made me appreciate the 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 universe that rocky has originated from what are you going to do with this and having fatherhood as really the obvious theme running throughout this narrative to me is a safe choice because it's so obvious. Now, that being said, it would be very easy to stay with the more obvious chemistry and the obvious relationships that we hinted at in the first film, you know, Rocky and Adonis, uh, I've got Adonis and the late Apollo Creed, but what I think was really well done was the expansion of that by using history and particularly the relationship between Yvonne and Rocky to harken back to that great fight, that great story in his whatever it was, and thread that theme of fatherhood in that as well. And I think when you start out that way, when you take such a, a safe theme, a familiar theme from the previous entry – that's a great way to start a movie. That's a great way to start a second entry because your audience is now familiar. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can buy that because I bought it because Kugler sold me on this idea. Okay, this feels like a continuation of that. And now you can start adding pieces to that story 
expanding those father-son relationships and expanding even more of the narrative between other people and their relationships, particularly between Adonis and Bianca and their new family, um, Adonis and his mom, getting more in-depth with that. And, uh, and I thought it was great. I really did. I thought that was a great way to, to start a movie like this. Yeah, well, I'm glad because I I couldn't couldn't agree more. And uh, you know, let's let's kind of talk through some of those relationships. I think because I'm curious how each of them worked for you. <laughs> I really enjoyed. I think all of them to some extent, and most of them in a big big way. Uh, the film opens with not Adonis, but with Victor and Yvonne, and that was a shocker for me. I was not expecting that, and. I thought that was a great choice to kind of set up our villain right off the bat. Um, it, it was a it was a unique and also a very artistic and beautifully filmed scene just for the, the sake of like calling that out because it. I mean, I was man, I was engaged instantly just when you're seeing like little you know, from the shadows and the background and you're getting such great subtle storytelling with Ivan punching his son on the arm to wake him up kind of telling you, okay, so this is the kind of relationship they have. We don't need words and monologues to explain it all. We, we are understanding right away. But over the course of this film, you know, Victor and Ivan's story is given a surprisingly full arc of its own, uh, much more than I ever expected. So how did it work for you overall, taking into account the whole, the totality of Ivan's story starting in Rocky Four? Because for me, let's be honest, I got to say, this is as much a sequel, direct sequel to Rocky Four, <laughs> as it is a direct sequel to Creed. Absolutely. I look at this as also a fantastic way to open a film like this because it's giving us perceptions of our villain. We have that really... What it's a, it's quite literally a cold open. I mean, it is a cold day in I think it's the Ukraine where they're living right now. They're excommunicated from from Russia. We don't know that at the time. We know they're living in a country that's not their own. So you're kind of inferring about some things. It's old school training. You know, there's no drugs. There's no machinery. It's it's Rocky training essentially. It's it reminds me of his first training montage where there's very little fanfare. It's just him running through the streets of Philadelphia early morning in the cold. And we get that same kind of sense here. Even the color palette that the cinematographer uses, those blues and grays of the early morning, it's very raw. And so we don't really know what's happening here. I think what we know is that we have a father-son relationship based on what we've inferred from the trailer and what we've gotten from these moments. But overall, the progression of their relationship I thought was really well done. There were a couple of spots that felt a little rushed for me. I wanted more time with their relationship. I got what I feel like this creative team wanted me to get in terms of empathy, in terms of substance, in terms of roundness for both Yvonne and Victor. But there were pockets of it that felt like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. You're setting it. Okay, I get that. Like it, it felt a little rushed. The dinner scene felt a little too fast for me and I wanted more time with them on screen because I felt like the payoff at the end was great, but I thought it could have been fantastic. And so that's kind of where it was devalued for me a little bit, but it, but I'm saying it devalued from like a wow to a, yeah. So it, it's not like it was a bad thing at all. It's not, it's like 
you know, saying it wasn't a five star movie, it was a four star movie when I talk about a movie. It's like it's it's not a de- it's not a devaluing. It's just that little deviation from it. But I think what I enjoyed most about it was that we see Victor's manipulation by his dad, but almost because of circumstances. It's not like his dad was trying to get him to be. He wasn't trying to live vicariously through his son. He was trying to get his reputation back. And I believe deep in his heart, he wanted his son to feel that because both he and Victor were hurt, most importantly, by his wife and Victor's mom, by her leaving. And so I think that's what I picked up most. I think that's what had the most dramatic impact for me was seeing that separation, seeing that abandonment of their mom and his, his wife and his mom. Um, as part of that kind of history, I think that's where I I felt I wanted more. I don't feel like I got enough backstory to that to really care as deeply, but I got it enough to to care enough. Yeah, I'm with you totally. I you know, it's funny because this is a long film. It's you know over two hours, and um, one of my knocks on the movie overall is that I felt the length a little bit in the dramatic pieces. I don't know what I would have cut necessarily, but I, I did feel like it, it kind of lingered a little bit longer. Or I, th- I think what I wrote in my review actually was that it lacked a certain polish and efficiency that Kugler had. Um, and that might just be because I didn't, I don't think the boxing scenes, we'll probably get to this later, but the boxing scenes didn't reach that highest of highs for me. And so the flow was a little off, but, um, but even with that said, I agree with you. Like, I would have loved more of Victor and Yvonne. And this is a Creed movie. Like, it's got Creed. And it's got freaking Rocky, dude. And I want Dolph Lundgren and his random new son that I just met. Because that relationship spoke to me so much. Seeing him in this future, knowing what he went through in Rocky Four, feeling like he had a raw deal given him because he had no choice. He was being used as a weapon. And then this is the natural progression. It's, it's a cycle of hate. Right, it's a cycle that that completes itself or continues itself over and over in real life in people's relationships, where this is all the father knows is violence and anger, and so he's going to raise his son in that, and that's what he's going to try to do. He knows how to fight. He's going to teach his son how to fight, and he's got to fight his way out, right? And it, it's almost what Rocky does in a sense. It's almost what Creed does in a sense, but it's the direction of that anger, the direction of that passion, and the nurturing of it from yeah. those that are around you. Whereas Creed has Rocky to nurture him, you know, yeah. Yvonne in another world could have turned out like Adonis. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's part of what I was thinking about two thirds of the way through the movie is I, in my m- mental world, wanted a conversation between Adonis and Victor. I wanted them to have coffee or something. I mean, it wouldn't be coffee, obviously. It would be something where they would have the... the we the, drink tea in Russia. We vo- yeah. drink vodka in Russia. <laughs> vodka in Russia is good. It's very Russia. good stuff. No, I almost envision them being a potential Rocky-Apollo relationship where they are rivals, but they've learned to respect each other and respect where they've come from in order to be able to push each other. Because I feel like they're both victims of their lives prior to, you know, uh, Adonis being a product of his dad's death and trying to come out of his shadow in the first film, 
but also trying to find where that where that strength leads to and finding what he thinks might be an act of vengeance. And then you've got Victor, who has sort of a parallel, who I'm trying to imagine him as a child. I mean, was he was he bred this way? Was he bred to be a fighter? It's it, you would think so because he has a dad and, and a mom who are both athletes. But at the same time, you almost wonder what is Victor? What would he have been like had Ivan won the fight? Had he been Russia's crown jewel athlete and 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 moved on? Would he have grown up in that same aggressive nature? I'm, I'm thinking he would. I'm thinking he would have been athletic, but he wouldn't have had the chip on his shoulder. He wouldn't have had the what I consider a shallow motive, even though vengeance is definitely a motivator. I think movies like this help us understand that it can be futile in some ways. And so it does make me question, what would his life have been like had the outcome changed? Obviously, we wouldn't have gotten a compelling story like this. But I like the fact that a story like this invites us to think about the what if. And so in this pocket world that I'm creating in my head, I'm thinking it would be so cool to see Adonis and Victor at some point become friends, become competitors, competitive friends like Rocky and Apollo. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but, you know, a boy can dream, right? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good question, and I agree with you. The fact that it makes me think about these things after the film is over is what makes a movie special. That's what that's what puts a movie above the rest. It's what them what makes the good ones the good ones, right? And and makes them worth talking about on a podcast. And and I think, you know, if if things had played out differently with Yvonne's fight, the difference would have been that instead of the pressure of revenge coming from his dad as he grew up, he would have had the pressure of maintaining his father's status and True. from an entire country. Yeah. Right. I mean, Legacy. yeah, we've seen Carrying twice how quickly Russia turns on, on sure. its own. I sure. mean, they're all about winning. And and well, let's be real humans. Let's not call out Russia here, but we see it as Russia. But this is no different. You and I were having a great conversation before this about college football and how quickly like fans turning on the the one of the two undefeated or best undefeated teams in the nation right now. And their fans are angry because they only won by like three touchdowns and their coach is like what (laughs) like this is this is a reality of how humans react it's all about the winning and who does it now and who is who's who's doing what for me lately so Mm -hmm. um it would have been a lot different pressure for him but let's let's go on and so adonis takes a fight with victor and he knows full well what happened to his own dad in the ring against yvonne and history almost repeats itself like unsurprisingly i would say (laughs) so the series is repeating storylines now so i'm wondering do you were you okay with that or did you do you think it do you think it was the right choice for adonis to take that fight based on what we know of his character yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna echo what i said before about the fact that when you have a sequel that isn't in the hands of your original director you gotta play some safe cards there you got to be able to say okay what can we do that feels pretty safe and yes there was a lot of familiarity with rocky three in particular when he takes the fight and they're getting to a fight sequence and i'm like oh my gosh we're only an hour into this okay this is basically going to be rocky three okay i can deal with that he's going to lose or i take that back he's not going to win that's a better way to say it 
because I was surprised at how that went down. I was like, okay, are they gonna are they gonna allow Victor to basically just pummel him like like clever, and then he'll take the belt? I love the fact that they changed that up a bit. That that device to disqualify Victor as opposed to letting him win, but also perpetuating the illusion that even as to quote Apollo, I won man, but I didn't beat him that kind of thing. And I think that there are echoes of that, that are valuable to the movie. They're safe. Yes. They're safe storytelling devices because they're familiar, but that familiarity allows you to breathe and allows you to be a little bit more creative in some of the nuances of that. To answer your question, I think that as a naive moviegoer, I'm going, I'm struggling with Adonis and wondering why are you taking this fight? And the conversation that he has with his mom where she goes, don't you even make this about your father because this, you know, this is not about him or me. And I'm like, well, well, well who is, is it about you? I mean, what? I'm kind of questioning it with him. I'm going, why are you taking this fight? What do you have to prove except the the peer pressure, the media pressure of having to up the challenge. I mean, that feels kind of, that feels kind of formulaic, but I love the fact that that becomes kind of the ball that gets rolling on. What's the real reason to take on this guy? Yeah. So I, I think, I think there's two different, and I probably should have specified because there's two different Adonis taking the fights here. And what I was originally really, asking first is the first fight so okay we get to see him fight wheeler that's the first fight we see which is which awesome I think it's great because I you and i yeah yeah you and i both talked about last week how we wish that we would have gotten him to see him fight wheeler and i love that they give us him fighting wheeler because right. it was like oh yeah and the whole thing with the car is is so awesome i mean the, the fighting wasn't as good as in this one for me but like the whole that fight just being in that fight and the way it ends with him just being like, give my key, give me my keys. Like, I just, I just felt like it was so on point. I think so too. I, I love the fight with Wheeler. I think it's a great way to introduce him to this in, in this, uh, in, in this installment. But I also love the fact that it's commented by the promoter that he was three years too late, that he's fighting Wheeler. Who's After potentially right. So again, it gives, it gives it, not agency. I can't think of the right word, but it gives him, it gives us as an audience insight into going, okay, he's gotten better, but he's not quite as good as he thinks he is. Again, throwing back him, throwing back to, to Rocky three. That you nailed. Okay. So you hit exactly where I was going, which is beautiful because that is the reason for me that it works. That is the exact reason that dialogue and that explanation, because that tells us like you just are alluding to that. Adonis may be the champ now. He may have reached the mountain, but there's a difference in reaching the mountain and being the best. I think it's in this film, right, where there's the conversation and they say, somebody says, there's, you know, 50, um, 50 people have held the world's heavyweight boxing title. 77. 77. 77. Okay, you remember the number. I think I wrote it down. Because I was there today. This oh, that's today. right. Um, you know how many people can name? Five. You know, and like, and that, that's what it got to for me. So it's like, you go, you have to go face the challenge, right? Like if you're an athlete at the top of your sport, 
us lowly folks <laughs> who get to sit back and watch you perform for us as entertainment, we can call it prideful that your ego is getting to you and you just want to, you're just doing it to prove to us or whatever. Like the point is like, if you're in that position, you are always seeking to prove it to yourself. Like you're not satisfied with just being, just beating a, a wheeler that's past his prime. Like you, you, this new guy comes on the scene and is considered to be better than you. You have to take that challenge. You have to face it. So that it made sense to me. Um, it also makes sense to me in the in the way that repression of uh, things that we think we may have gotten over is a real thing in our lives. You know, there's many times that this happens to me when being divorced, twice divorced. You know, where I have completely gotten over these relationship issues in my own life, and I'm fine for a year, and then all of a sudden something happens. There's a trigger, right? And it's like, oh my gosh. And then all of this stuff comes pouring back. And now I have to deal with it all over again, maybe on a lesser level. But I feel like that's what happens to Adonis. He's kind of like gotten past the whole, his dad's dead and, you know, he's trying to live up to the legacy because he's kind of, he's, he's gotten over that. And then here's this new trigger, sending him right. back into that and having to deal with it again. Yeah. And I think that that's the kind of self manipulation that takes place because, you pointed out something that I'm just kind of figuring out here is that when he's given that speech by the promoter, who, by the way, let me just say, I don't think Stallone or Rocky or whoever has a high view of promoters, because as we saw in you know Rocky Five, you know you got got Duke Best and this guy feels like a schemer. Um, but I think that that conversation that he has with Adonis in reminding him about the legacy and about leaving your mark is very much something that stands out to me when I put it up next to his conversation with with Marianne. And she responds when he says, I'm going to take the fight with Victor. And he goes, you know, you don't sound like you're upset. And she goes, oh, don't you assume that I'm not upset, you know, and don't think this is about me or about your father. I can now kind of put those pieces together and go, okay, now I see what the motive is. The motive is about your legacy. The motive is about, it's not even about seeing if you can beat the best. It's about making sure that you're leaving your mark and using the tactic. What he probably thinks is taking revenge for his father's death. That's not the case. And so we get that hint early on and we start to see, oh, okay, yeah, we know he's not going to win this fight, but questioning why he wasn't able to win. There's a conversation that takes place later that I think validates that. But man, yeah, it, it really is about him and his legacy, which is the thing that drives him in the first film that we celebrate. We're now saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Scale it back, man, because now it's misplaced legacy at this point. It's misplaced motivation. 100% agree. And, uh, you know, to steer it back to the fatherhood stuff, um, the second time he takes the fight, and this is where you were starting to, to go to, he does it with a whole different perspective because now he's a dad, right? And he agrees to this rematch, but he does so with Bianca and Rocky saying they're going to be in his corner, that they're going to be there for him. So alternatively, how did you feel about his decision to take this risk? And is it still a valid reason or, it, you know, 
is what drove him to take it the first time an acceptable reason to take this risk? And alternatively, what would you what would you do? I want you to judge him. Basically, I want you to okay. judge his decision for me. Well, the movie mo- the moviegoer in me is like, yeah, take the fight. I'm ready to see something awesome. Boring movie if he says, you know what, guys, I'm out. I'm going to retire. <laughs> Creed but you know two what? and it's over. But, you know, there was something about – there were moments, particularly in the uh, in the final fight where I was like, he's going to throw in the towel. He's going to say, I'm, I quit, which would be phenomenal, by the way. It would right. be, a, it'd be a huge storytelling choice that would be like, oh, my gosh, no more creeds. I legitimately inter- thought it was going to happen too. So, yeah, and, and I, I love that. It's it's fantastic. But when he makes the choice, it's not only that he's now got the two most important people in his life in his corner. He says to Rocky, I think early on, this is in the in the living room just before he finds out that Bianca is now in labor is about to have a baby. He says he comes to grips with why he either lost the fight or or, or why he he thinks he can win. It's because he was afraid. He was afraid of what, of living up to a legacy. Again, it goes back to a legacy. And I think that's a legitimate in terms of being a fighter. I think it's legitimate, a legitimate motive, but I think that he was reconciling the fact that it still has to be about him. I think that he was admitting that the first time, both times were about him, but that he was lying to himself the first time. And that's, what killed him. The other thing, it kind of harkened back to Rocky two a little bit. What, and one of the things I really enjoy about Rocky two is the, that kind of relationship that Rocky has with Adrian, who's now pregnant, you know, another parallel. It's when he starts training and he says, I never asked you to stop being a woman. Don't, don't ask me to stop being a man. And he says, fighters fight. I, I don't know if he says that, but he knows that this is who he is. And Adonis talks to Bianca and he says, I wouldn't ask you to stop doing something that you love. This is who I am. I am a fighter, which is very consistent. It's who he introduces himself to us in Creed. And so I think in that way, taking the fight that second time, he's admitting that he knows who he is. He knows why he's doing it. And he's got the people who he loves the most with him. And I think those three components had to be there in order for him and me as an audience to say, yes, take it. And I believed that he would either win the fight or that he would know when to give up. Hmm. That's and a, both those things would be good. That's a really good qualifier that he would know when to give up if he didn't win the fight. I don't know that I ever felt that way, but I can see what you're saying. Yes, especially with Rocky and Bianca in his corner, if these are the people you trust, knowing that they would be able to get that through to him in the moment of it's time. I I think that that's a little difficult, though, for me because of the way the fight plays out. And, you know, we've repeatedly seen this in the series where the fighter needs to stop. The the health that we've gone to the place of the health being – a problem and the fighter is risking serious injury or death and they just keep going and Rocky didn't stop him. Rocky couldn't stop him. Rocky let him go. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I struggled with this part and I, and I don't struggle with it from a filmmaking aspect, right? Like, I don't think it's a bad movie because of the decision. It's intriguing to me, but from a movie watcher as a dad, 
I think to myself, man, you know that you're putting yourself in a dangerous position. But how is this any different if this is your career? Like this is your means of making a living. How is it different than me being a Navy guy and going over to Iraq for six months? Right. I could have ended up like many other of my fallen brothers and sisters in the military who didn't come back. And those kids are are without their dads um, or their moms. And so it's – it's people can say, well, that's for a reason and this isn't for a reason, whatever. All that aside, he's doing something that he is doing as a career. This makes him – this is what, how he makes his living, and he need, it's a passion. He need, it, Who would he be if he didn't follow his passion, right? Like he wouldn't be himself anymore. Um, it, but it's it's tricky, and it's it's definitely, I think, ultimately something that every person has to decide for themselves with their closest loved ones. And those are the people that have to live with that decision, not us watching from the outside. And that goes in real life too, right? When we judge our coworkers or people that we're not close with, like we're not in that circle of trust in that decision-making process. And if Bianca ultimately is okay with it as his wife or soon-to-be wife, and Rocky, his essentially father and his mother are ultimately okay with it, then we need to be okay with it too. But I don't even think it's that they're okay with it. I think it's that they trust him enough to support him and to say, look, we're we're literally in your corner. I mean, something that I'm still wrestling with, but I think I liked was the was his walk up during the fight with Victor. I can't tell if I really, really enjoyed that or if I thought it was really, really cheesy. Like, I, I don't know. I think I liked it because it gave me confidence knowing that Bianca was not just sitting there supporting him, but helping him lead the charge, like walking with him and saying, this is Adonis. Yeah. I'm supporting him, not just ringside, but also with my talent and with what I love. Like my passion is now fused with his because I'm now just bringing him literally to the ring. And so from a sentimental point of view, I thought that was fantastic. I still don't know that I loved it because it, I was like, "Is this real?" Oh, she's singing now. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with this. You know what? You're the one last week that said that you wanted a CD of her music. Um, I did not enjoy that at all. I love the decision to have her walk out and be his walkout music live, leading him. In. I thought it was that was emotionally riveting to me. I just didn't enjoy the actual performance. It didn't, and that was unfortunate for me because it did not feel like a hype song. And no. I, I'm, I'm expecting, and I'm used to getting something that pumps me up to get ready for the fight that's going to come. And it was just so abstract and mm-hmm. non-traditional that it didn't do that for me. And so I was left kind of going like, oh, okay, and now I guess we're in the ring now. Well, and. I have the same feelings, but only I, I think it's because that never happens. I d- well, I say it never happens. I'm not a I don't watch boxing a lot, but I'm assuming that you don't have live musicians singing in front of you. Maybe you do. Occasionally, people will have yeah. UFC and boxers will actually the big names um, have had rappers come down like Snoop okay. or somebody will walk down like do and that, those are the ones where and you, but it's it's a different kind of music and like. People so are screaming yeah. and freaking out, and this is just a different style of music mm-hmm. and song, and it doesn't generate that energetic feeling in you. Mm-hmm. It generates a different feeling 
to me. And, and so that was why it was weird. Well, but I think the feeling it generates to me was a dramatic feeling. And I think that's consistent with what we needed to feel. What we, we're not there to get hyped up, hyped up, you know, Adonis. That was the first time, you know, cocky. I got this. I'm going to just go at him. This time it was, this is all business, straight faced. I'm here to take care of it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. If it kills me, I'm going to do this. And I think that it created a different tone. So musically, I thought it was great. Again, I just thought it was kind of weird having someone singing in front of you. Oh, fair enough. So we, we had different feelings on that completely altogether. Okay. Well, but that has nothing to do with fatherhood. Um, so the one other thing I wanted to mention though on fatherhood topic was Rocky and his estranged son, Robert. Um, this is just a small thread and it ends in a brilliant, unexpected cameo. Um, from Milo Ventimiglia? I didn't say Milo, it right. Milo Ventimiglia. I, I, a week ago, I couldn't say it either, so thanks. He's Italian, Milo Ventimiglia. Well, let me just tell you, it made me gasp out loud and immediately tear up. It was very moving for me. But do you think – here's the question I have for you about this. Do you think that Rocky's story is now finished with the seemingly redemption of his family life with Robert and his now being a godparent to Adonis's – daughter as well i was talking with jeremy about this this afternoon because you know safe space i could talk to him about my feelings before coming on the show because you know couldn't talk to you yet but that was a question i had too is rocky's story over if it isn't this is a great exit strategy this is more of okay we're starting to move Rocky to the rear of things. And it appears that his battle with cancer is over, that he's not. And there are a couple of moments near the end of the movie that seem to kind of give us the exclamation point. I think that it's difficult to land that plane because this is a Rocky universe. You can't call it the Creed universe. You can't call it the Apollo universe. It's the Rocky universe because all of this is built off of his legacy as a character. And so if you try to imagine a movie in the Rocky universe without Rocky, that's very difficult. However, I think if you're going to land that plane, this was the best way to start doing it. I could see the next installment of Creed not having Sylvester Stallone in front of the camera. It would be weird, but I think a strong enough story would help sell that. And you don't have to kill Rocky off. Uh, Jeremy has a different opinion. He feels like you have to kill him off. He has to die of something and he can't physically exist in the world of the Rocky universe. But the thing is, I feel the same way about not about him dying, but I feel the same way about Paul Walker in the fast and the furious franchise. He's not dead. I mean, in so you in think fa- Scott Eastwood should replace Sylvester Stallone? As no, no, Rocky? no, no. <laughs> you goober. No, what I'm saying is that you can have a character not be on screen, but still active and part of that world in yes, name only. Hundred percent. I mean, the fact is, you have Robert, who didn't have to be on screen. You could have had Robert on a phone call, you know, using using uh, using Rocky's you know, monologue back and forth, you know, with the phone to indicate that, oh yeah, he's reconciling with Robert. He just so happened to include Milo, which I thought was fantastic. 
But the fact is, I think you can make a movie after this. I think you can continue the Creed franchise. And this is why I continue to argue this is not Rocky 7, Rocky 8. This is Creed 1 and 2. You can do this third installment without Rocky being in front of the camera, without Stallone being part of this. I would still have him as an EP, as a storyteller, maybe even as a director. But you don't need to have him in front of the camera because I think his story's done. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And listeners who don't know the name Jeremy, just for reference, Jeremy is one of our contributors at Feel and Film. Um, you'll see him in our Feel and Film discussion group, and he writes reviews for us at times. So just in case you're wondering that name and, and who Patrick was talking to. Um, but I I agree with you guys. I, I, I agree with Jeremy, really. I, I guess in a sense. I agree with, with what he's – I think what Jeremy was saying when he says he's got to die off is the same thing that you're arguing. Like he, I agree, he needs to be off the screen. And I think that if this franchise, if this series is going to truly be Creed and move on as Creed, the next move, we've gotten a perfectly set up progression of the Rocky character at this point. He needs to go. And right. I, I hate it, and I, but I love it and I understand it from a filmmaking and storytelling perspective because I need to see Michael B. Jordan without him. Like, well, yeah. I want to. Maybe I don't need to, but I want to. And I think you're right. I don't – I personally don't want him to die. I don't know that I ever want to see him die. But he's involved. Cy Stallone will still be involved in production and in helping to create the series. That's totally going to happen. But we don't need him in the corner. And I think that – I feel like that was the direction that Coogler and, uh, and Stephen Capel here are going for. Because of the way that Wheeler's trainer comes into this picture, you know, even in the final fight, it's not just Rocky. Wheeler's trainer is there too. Right. So I keep calling him Wheeler's trainer. What's his name? It's Tony Burton is his name. Okay. So he's there too. And I think we get a good relationship being built between the two of them. So it seems to me pretty easy for Rocky to now step out of the ring essentially completely. And I mean, and there's, a, there's an entire scene that really felt like that at the end, which I'll talk about later, um, where he, he seemingly is passing the torch. So, yeah, I, I think it's time for him to go. But with regards to fatherhood, I think that that's why it's okay, because I love that, that his story wraps up here. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't mean everything's going to be roses with Robert. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, and I like that. It just means that he made the steps to start reconciliation and to go back to being in the life of his own child. Yeah. Creed 2 was probably the first time, rightly so, in the Rocky universe that I didn't really care as much about Rocky. Like, he felt tertiary to me. He felt less like a central figure. And this was no slight to Stallone's performance. But I felt like there was an intentional deviation from the spotlight on Stallone, even more so than Kugler had, to put the spotlight on Adonis and having a daughter and forging on with that relationship with Bianca and even that relationship being built with little Duke Burton, the son of Apollo's original trainer. I really feel like there are seeds that are planted that say, look, I now have a vested interest in new people. And to me, I think that you need to trust your audience to appreciate a universe without original characters in it. And this is this is my soapbox real quick. This is where I think The Last Jedi 
gets a lot of flack is that you don't have enough of these original characters or you deviate so far from this original mythology that you start frustrating your audience. And I'm like, no, this is a natural progression. Just like I felt like the the last Jedi was a natural progression in the Star Wars universe for me. I feel like Creed two is a natural progression and a sending off of the old and bringing in of these new characters that we can fall in love with and appreciate the universe they live in without necessarily having the Adrians, the Polys, even the Rockies or the Apollos living in this as secondary characters. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It's a, it's a generational passing on and, uh, and, it, and I think it could be an amazing third film in a trilogy if it goes that direction. So let's talk briefly about Adonis and Bianca's relationship here because this is a huge part of this film. Um, you know, obviously it was a big deal in the first film. They're meeting each other and you and I really enjoyed their relationship, but it's taken to a whole new level here. Um, it's advanced in big, big ways. And I love that we got to know more of her as a person. The fear that she has that her baby will lose its hearing um, was a, a very emotional, touching storyline, very realistic as well. Um, even to the point where she wasn't sure she wanted to have a child because of that. Um, her refusal to ever let Adonis off easy. I, I really enjoy that she still is continuing. She hasn't changed a bit. She tells him like it is all the time. And, and that's a great, he needs that. He, I think, I think their relationship shows us what it's like for, for people who are in, you know, serious relationships, spouses, whatever, to be complimentary to each other. Right. You need that person who's going to be that other piece in your life that maybe you don't have that side of it. Um, they need to fill that gap. Um, has Bianca reached Adrian level of impact for you on Adonis's life the way that, that she did on Rockies? And just what did you think overall about the progression and the, the story? To use a boxing metaphor, I would say that if Adrian was that jab, 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 and then eventually the solid right or solid left, depending on if you're a southpaw. I think Bianca is the hard-hitting kind of punch, punch, punch coming right at you. And I think that she has reached that level of Adrian status in terms of being so influential in Adonis's life. I, there were two moments where I cried in this movie. This was a rare thing for me to do. You know me well enough to know I'm pretty stoic when it comes to I can get hyped up and I can get emotionally vested in movies, but there are very few times that I actually cry during movies. Two times in this movie I cried. One of them was the moment that they go after their daughter is born and they take her for the hearing test. And there's that just long pause of just listening for and hoping for spikes and seeing Adonis's crying and seeing Bianca. I mean, I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is devastating. But then you follow that up with Rocky's conversation with him with Adonis saying, don't feel sorry for yourself because there's a baby in there that doesn't feel sorry for herself. She's going to have a, she's going to have a mom and a dad that love her and very raw, very, very just awesome conversation. But for me, when I look at Bianca, I think the strength that she has is what helps carry Adonis throughout this, this film. In fact, there's a great conversation between her and Marianne where she's struggling She's saying, I don't know what to do. He's in this dark place right now. And Marianne goes, he's got to come out of this on his own. He has to, he has to battle the stuff inside of him before he can battle the stuff on the outside. 
you've been with him every step of the way. So don't blame yourself for this. And I think that that was a rare moment of vulnerability, but I think it's consistent with her character because she loves him so deeply and she wants the best for him. She wants him to be successful. I don't know that there's been any moment that I remember in this movie where she's felt like your daughter is not going to have a dad if you get killed in the ring. Like she's never made it about that. She's always let him make the choice for himself and has told him like it is. But I think that if her level of Adrian status has reached what it has, it's done so very quickly. Like it wasn't gradual. It was, it was a one, two punch, but very believable and very much a compliment to, to his character. My gut reaction is that I like Bianca so much more than Adrian. Like I ever, ever liked Adrian. But when I step back and I think about it longer and I have had time to do this, I realize Adrian compliments Rocky. Bianca compliments Adonis. And I cannot compare them in terms of how they interact with their spouse. Because Bianca is not going to be to Rocky what Adrian would be to Adonis, or now I'm getting confusing. But you know what I'm trying to say is that they are different. They are both the perfect person in the life of their spouse and the way that that person needs them. Uh, and they, they do so. They're, they're represented really well over the course of their films. Adrian wasn't built to be this powerful in two movies. Her arc is spread out over the course of five films, essentially. Um, so I, I try to give her respect in that sense. I, you know, I don't dislike the relationship that she has with Rocky at all, but I definitely prefer and am impacted more directly by the Bianca and Adonis relationship. And it just, it gave us so much good stuff, man. Um, the proposal is awesome. So good. The proposal so scene good. is just fantastic because it, everything about Adonis's story feels so, so real. So we talked about this when we were discussing Rocky and why it's our best film, right? It feels like it's Philly and it's blue collar and it's like on the streets. Like it, it, you just, you believe that's what life is like. That's what you believe when you see this proposal. And this is, na- this is how it happens. I, I remember my first ever proposal. I went to do it and I was, it was actually very similar. It was in a hotel room and I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> and I had hid the ring underneath the bed on the wall side and woman came out and I ended up trying to fake roll off the bed. Like I, Oh, I fell. I rolled off and fell into the corner and then I came out with the ring and it was just so ridiculous. Right. And I feel like this is like Adonis trying to determine like, how do I do this? Right. Like I'm not typically this romantic person. How do I, how do I go about doing this so that it feels like it's validated as a romantic gesture and the way it ends up playing out with him giving this proposal and her not hearing it. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, so beautiful. I just, I love the way that scene played out and I loved Rocky's advice when the scene, we'll probably talk about some of the intertextuality stuff here later, but like that was one of the best callbacks in the entire film for me. Isn't Rocky's like, Whoa, let me tell you how I did it, but I don't know if I'd, uh, you know, I just asked her. <laughs> and he, he, he tells him what he said to Adrian. He's like, I was kind of thinking, you know, if you wouldn't mind marrying me. <laughs> um, it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I loved it. So I, I really like their relationship quite a bit. And it's, 
critical part of this series for me. Whereas I felt always like the Adrian Rocky relationship was such a subplot that it didn't have nearly as much power in mm-hmm. my personal viewing of the Rocky franchise. Whereas in Creed, Bianca is every bit like you can't take Bianca out of this and have the same stories to me. Well, I agree. And I think that further goes to reinforce this idea of moving Rocky to the the wing of the universe and letting him be less, if not any part of the any future installments, because Bianca is such a significant part of Adonis's life, so intertwined with who he is. And yes, you can make the same argument for uh, for Rocky and Adrian. But think about it. I mean, there were other characters in the Rocky franchise that were no longer part of that. You know, Polly was probably the one consistent character throughout all five of the movies or all six of the movies. But we lost Mickey. We lost Apollo. And other characters had to emerge. So I think that Bianca helps to reinforce that idea that having new characters is a good thing. And at least from a cinematic standpoint, she's fantastic in her role in Adonis's life. So boxing i I mentioned that i personally did not love or think that the boxing in this film was quite as dynamic and immersive feeling as it was in creed Um, there also seems to be a lot less of it or it's more spread out over the course of this two and a half hour film and we get Mm -hmm. we get the wheeler fight really early and then we get the victor fight pretty quick too and then there's like nothing really until the end of of the picture mm-hmm. um i mean he even i think he turns down the tune-up fight right uh, he, he gets offered a tune-up fight and he's like no i'm going back so there's I, did you enjoy the boxing as much in this film and did you miss it at all i enjoyed the sparseness of it um because i think that what i love so much about creed was the drama and the boxing being icing on the cake. And I think that this consistently did that as well in the second installment where you had character arcs and drama and stories of these individuals accented by different fights. I definitely found more value in these fights because the central character had more value, had more meaning. Uh, and, and sorry, the central villain, the the central opponent, being being Victor, had more value and more meaning. Uh, Wheeler, I think, was for us a a cinematic tune up of sorts. You know, we got the you know, we got the wish list item that you and I wanted, and it was quickly disposed of. And we got a couple of sequences where we show how strong Victor is by just just beating the crap out of his opponents. And I think it was said in the second fight with Adonis that Victor had never gone more than four rounds because he just dismantled his opponents. So we we don't get a lot of the visuals, but I was okay with that. Um, I think when you have a less is more approach to boxing or any fight sequence for that matter, it makes those moments a lot more impactful visually. It makes the, um, for instance, the the shot to the ribs both in both fights, I think was a lot more dramatic. And had we seen more of that or just more choreography I think would have lessened the impact of those fights since since those two fights the the match and the rematch were pivotal 
to the plot of the of the movie i think not having a lot in between helped that a lot yeah I like the amount of boxing scenes as well. And, I, and I'd kind of forgotten, I guess, or wasn't really counting the Victor fighting montage that we get, which is... There's not much of it. It's maybe two or three. Yeah, but there's enough. And there's some, you know, oh my gosh moments in there, of course. He's so freaking huge, man. I I struggle there a little bit because I'm part of my... The logical side of my brain is saying, this is not right. Michael B. Jordan is not a heavyweight, and this this fight would never actually happen because these people are completely opposite, like size-wise. There's no way this fight would actually occur. (laughs) But then, of course, the cinematic part of me goes, well, that's what makes it so fun. Like, it's because it's such an underdog story. Like, I got to throw out the realism there. And it's weird because the movie's so realistic otherwise. So it's like a weird kind of like unexpected piece of fantasy in the middle of my real movie. But I like it. Um, I I do like the boxing way that it is that the emphasis put is put on just the several fights or the couple of fights very strongly. Um, I just I felt I could feel the camera trying to at times be what Coogler's vision looked like, and it just wasn't quite the same for me. And this is where my lack of perfect score really comes from for Creed 2 is in the ring, I never felt as energized as I did in Creed. And you're right. It's dramatic and it's different. And there's a, there's a little bit of a different feel and that's probably intentional. But for me, after one viewing of this film and even coming away from it and it growing on me after I left, I still wish I'd had a little bit more energy flowing through my body and I'm wondering what it'll be like for me on future viewings. I'm wondering if because yeah. now I know that the, you know what I mean? Like when we, we talk about this all the time, when you know the drama's coming, when you know that it's going to be a different flow to the film mm-hmm. than what you were expecting, then maybe you're able to settle in and I might like it even more. Uh, but for now, it was, it was a little bit of an off-putting thing. Yeah. I think that there is a, to use a appropriate pun, um, there were some, moments of real like there were some punches thrown literally that had people ooing in the audience uh, of my screening i had the, the moment that that victor hit adonis in the ribs you hear this ooh from like three or four people in the audience and i'm like great i'm glad you guys could you know hear that because you were talking most of the time anyway so but i i think that those kinds of there wasn't a lot even within the fights that helped elevate those solid moments that helped amplify. And I, I can see how the drama didn't build in that last fight. Like it did in the previous installment in, in, in Creed. But I, it, for me, it didn't lessen the impact of what was going on in the actual fight. Like I felt like the drama was there. I felt like it was meaningful. It had agency. And so the payoff to me, while not perfect was pretty close. And so I felt like it was doing a pretty good job. I I agree. The score I think was a little, it was fine, but not nearly as memorable as Creed's installment. So we touched on Drago and, um, 
well, Drago and Drago earlier a little bit with the fatherhood conversation, but I, I viewed this film, actually wrote in my review as well, I kind of made a little bit of a metaphor comparison here to it being a superhero film. There's a, during the training montage in particular, there's a point where Creed is running that is intentionally paralleling, I'm sure, the Yvonne driving behind his son and, you know, threatening to run over him if he doesn't run fast enough. Whereas Rocky is driving in front of um, Creed and Creed is trailing him and Creed falls down. And there is this dramatic Marvel-like moment where he gets up to, and you just know, you're like, okay, like that's him getting his cape. Like he's, he has arrived, like he is now, come to his full realization of his powers and he's going to get going. And, um, and I think because I think that that happens because of the way that the Dragos are used and drawn as a villain for him. Like every hero needs a villain. And I, I really love how it's set up that way because the best villains are empathetic, are ones we can empathize with like Loki. I mean, that's why we love them. And we talked about like how, with Yvonne and with Victor, we're able to do that. Did you specifically feel, when, with regards to Yvonne and his story, and how many times you've seen it play out in Rocky Four? did you like the way that his character was handled here? Yeah, I think that, again, I'm going to go back to my conversation with Jeremy. He and I both agreed that Yvonne's character is hinted at being somewhat sympathetic in Rocky Four. It you know, it's it's drowned out by the patriotic Russia versus the U.S. Cold War stuff. But the fact is, he's a puppet in that movie. And I think that this is an echo of that. And it made me care more for him as a, as a character. Look, as a side note, knowing what I know about Dolph Lundgren as a person, having recently seen a TED Talk that he did, I've got even more sympathy for him as a character, and I admit complete bias for that. But the fact is, I can appreciate Ivan Drago for what he's trying to do, even though his motives can seem manipulative and wrong and detrimental to not only him but his son. I feel like he's trying to do the best with what he knows he has, with what he has with him. Growing up in... Cold War, Russia, um, and then having to be excommunicated and now living in a dank country as it is. I, I wanted, I didn't want him to ever win, but he seemed more approachable to me. And I think the conversation with Rocky in Adrian's restaurant is one of my favorite scenes because he's sitting there. It's near the beginning of the film where Dude, it's awesome. <laughs> it's he's he's talking he's talking to to Rocky and it's parallel where Adonis is hearing about the challenge that Victor wants uh, through the ESPN whatever and there's some really great lines in it. One is um, why are there no pictures of me on the wall? <laughs> and, and I and I love Rocky's response. We don't we don't have pictures of that. Because that was never a fight that was for money or for a belt. It was a revenge. It was a revenge fight. It was strictly – there was no money involved. There was no title at stake. It was strictly a street brawl. 
And, and then he finishes it up by, uh, by leaving the restaurant and he says, uh, that's a nice picture and it's a picture of Apollo. But the conversation with, with, with Drago there gives me sympathy for him. It, it makes me wonder, okay, how am I going to reconcile how I feel about him and Victor? And you're right. These guys are villains, but they're not villains because they chose to be. They're villains because they were bred that way and they were made that way. And that's all they know. And so as a, as a entertainment factor, I need that. I need a Drago for my creed. I need those two together. But I think that's where my hope comes from, that maybe in a later installment we see Victor and Adonis become comrades, if you will, you know, and <laughs> maybe being – some kind of some kind of relationship is there. I don't know, especially with the way the fight ended. I feel like yeah, oh, there's something there. I don't know. I I can understand that. I I also think it's not necessarily a natural point of progression for their characters, like that they would ever they would ever actually have any reason to come to know each other, right? Past this point and this moment. Um, but man, yeah, it it does exist, and I, I love the acting job, and I love the character, the way he's created, and I wouldn't mind seeing more of them woven into this story. I trust the writers now. I trust the direction of this franchise pretty implicitly at this point. Like, I, I don't have any issues with that, um, and I know they'll get it right. I, I loved him as a villain as well, um, like I said already, because of the empathy that I felt for him. There's that great moment when he shown he's there's a shot. Two shots. One, him looking up at the Rocky statue. I had flipping chills. And then, two, a shot of Victor with his arm, or Ivan with his arm around Victor on the shot that we talked about. Yep. Looking out over the city. The Rocky shot. The shot that Creed ends on with Rocky and his arm around Creed and their arm around each other. Like, that was like, I mean, that was chills, man. It was like, it was mm-hmm. like, Oh, here we go. Right. And that is the dramatic moments that I loved how they built in this film. There's another yeah. great one where, um, they're talking about the fight, um, leading up to the decision making of the fight. And, um, <laughs> mom, Bianca says, daddy's being a bitch. And, uh, <laughs> and he says, I'll beat him. And she says, you better. And then he's talking to the trainers and he says, I think it's Rocky. Who tells him he's like, we can't let it get to decision because they're talking about how strong Victor is. I can't remember who it is, but he goes, oh, crap. Yeah. And everybody's like, everybody's thinking that, right? The whole audience is like thinking that exact same line at that moment. And those are the moments of dramatic building that happen in this film as opposed to in the boxing ring. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's uh, Tony Burton makes he makes that comment after Rocky goes, well, I guess we can't let it get that far, which is Rocky's way of saying I'm in. And then, and then Burton goes, I'll call the promoter. <laughs> like, it's on now. It's yep. on. And then we head into the fantastic training month. So, yeah, let's use that to, te- to kind of transition. And w- let's talk about intertextuality again because we talked about this a lot last week. And um, I- I've already stated that I feel this is as much a sequel to Rocky Four as it is to Creed. Um, but with, with regards to that training montage, <laughs> the one question I'm going to ask you is, did you like it? Did it work for you, knowing what you know of the past training montages, and especially the training montages that are so famously used in Rocky Four? And then also, just in general, 
this is this story has a very predictable nature to it. Um, with the exception of the little bit of unknown of whether or not there was going to be a towel thrown in at the end, I think the we never really doubted. I don't think that he was going to take the fight, um, and and he was going to you know ultimately be fighting Yvonne twice or however it plays out. So I guess my question is, do you think that our do you think that you and I have a different level of emotional resonance with this film because of our history with the series? Do you think that it can work outside of its past? And how do you feel about that? Because I get expecting people to have seen Creed. This movie's called Creed 2. But I do know quite a few folks who went to see this without seeing Rocky 4. And I struggle to see it having anywhere near as much impact on me if I didn't see that. So how did you like the training montage and how did you like the intertextuality and all as a whole? The training montage I thought was fantastic. I love that they did not go to Russia. So that was nice. Um, I thought they I, were, I love that they tricked us and he yeah. says, we're going to go somewhere else. And I was like, Oh, we're going to Russia. No, they're going to Mexico. But, and I thought that the montage itself was purposeful. I thought that every exercise literally that they did, made sense to what was trying to be done with with Adonis. Because, I mean, just like with Rocky Balboa, they had to train differently. They had to train because of the fact that the the character of Victor, he was a lot stronger, and it couldn't just be done with with speed. And so I love the, the toe-to-toe exercise. I thought that that was fantastic because – Rocky said, you're going to be toe-to-toe with him. Might as well get started now. Um, I love the, uh, the, I guess, the, the head exercise where he lifts up the weight with his, with his neck, it's essentially. Crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it's just nuts. But to me, the intertextuality, con- the connection there was the extreme nature of the training, unconventional nature of the training, the fact that he is punching things without gloves. The fact that he's living in this sweat box of a training facility as opposed to, you know, his normal his normal gym type things. And I think that in terms of it's not my favorite training montage. I think it needs a lot cooler music. You know, there's no easy way out yep, and I was, all that stuff. Yep. I mean, Rocky Four is always going to be my favorite just because yep. it's like, you know, struggle. I mean, when you're yelling at the top of a mountain, when it's like blistering cold, you can't get much better than that. With a beard? Uh, with a beard, yeah, and a puffy coat. I mean, come on now. Um, you know, with Vince DiCola just rocking in the background. So I, it wasn't my favorite, but it was perfect for this movie. Perfect for what was being trained and how it was being trained. And I love the fact that we get that shot. I didn't pick up on it until you said it, where we have these two running sequences with our fighters and a vehicle, one has a vehicle from behind, one has a vehicle ahead, presenting two different approaches to training. Like I'm in, I'm in your corner, I'm, I'm with you, I'm pulling you along, I'm wanting to support you, as opposed to I'm pushing you along and making you do this kind of thing. Great visual metaphors there. Yeah, I, real quick, I agree with you 100% on the training montage there. I, I echo. All of your thoughts, I felt the exact same way and had the exact same kind of want for a better – I don't know. I just wanted an 80s music song or something there. I, <laughs> it just isn't the same without it. I mean I didn't mind it. I didn't mind the music. It just didn't quite hit those highest of notes for me because of that. And I too 
I think that the training sequences with using the tire and putting his leg inside of it to fight the close fight was one of the coolest things I've seen in the whole franchise. Like that, Mm -hmm. that actually, if that is, it made so much sense. Like I was like, oh my gosh, that's a brilliant thing. And how hard would that be? And you're right. That's really going to get him prepared for fighting in close. Mm -hmm. That was awesome to me. So I, I really like that. And then I just like that we're getting the dual perspectives. You know, we're seeing how Yvonne trains by literally just knocking people out over and over and over and over. And that's really like, he doesn't have to get better because he's going to rely on this thing he already has. And Adonis has to completely reinvent his ability to box in order to combat that. And it shows that pride or cockiness, that belief that he's going to win on this one ability. And then a belief that you need to have more in your arsenal and be fully, you know, fleshed out with multiple options in order to compete. And I really like that as well. Yeah. With regards to the intertextuality, I think the callbacks were fitting. Uh, They didn't feel overdone. My favorite intertextuality for me is when you can take something and expand on it. And the moment that you brought up earlier where Rocky is explaining his proposal to Apollo or excuse me, to Adonis, I love that scene in Rocky too. So tender and so perfectly rocky. But I love that he explains it. I love that he quotes himself and he says, I said, would you like to marry me or something? But he follows it up by saying, because I knew that she was my world and I could not live without her and I wanted her with me forever. I'm, that's not what he said, obviously, but that's the gist of what he said. And I'm like, I remember going, yeah, that's awesome. To myself in the theater because, you know, I'm just by myself. But when you can do that, when you can give a little bit of expansion on these little tender moments that you're familiar with, I thought that's pretty fantastic. I also love the little callbacks to being broken, you know, br- how Yvonne is telling Victor, you you know, break him. He you says, break. He, my, my boy will, or he, my, you know, my son will break your boy is what he says. Yes. Yeah, but it didn't feel overdone. It didn't feel like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was from right, yeah, whatever. I think there's enough callback that enhances the story. And to me, as I've said before, that's that's the proper use of intertextuality because you're relying on your writing, you're relying on your, your central story and punctuating it with those kind of moments. So, again, agree with you. Obviously, mentioned that one moment. That's probably my favorite. My second favorite is, I, I don't know, man, I got a thing for the turtle. Okay, like all throughout the series, there's a turtle shot in this movie. And I hope I'm not the only one picking up on this, but the place that this turtle shot comes in, it is just like in Creed. It's very intentional in its connection to our understanding of Rocky's relationship with Adrian as it affects the rest of the story at the point that it's at. And it comes here right after... Or, or during the scenes where Rocky is a, he's calling about the light being out. And I believe in my heart that what is being intentionally told to us or subtly hinted at here is that Rocky states how he hasn't called about this light in like eight years or whatever. And him finally making that call with that turtle in the background, it just makes me feel like the reason he hasn't called is because Adrian's not here. Like Adrian would have called about that light. And Rocky can't get around to doing that. And in a sense, I love that 
it's almost like her spirit is in the background of these scenes with this turtle. Like that's how I take it. And, and I may be the only one, but I really enjoy that. Um, yeah. It's so I, quick, but I like it. It is. I think it's more intentional in Kugler's film because it pans up to the turtle and stays there for two or three beats. I agree absolutely that the turtle that either cuff or link, whoever this is representing is a callback to indirectly related to Rocky and his relationship with agent. I don't think it's as obvious or deliberate here, but you can, you can, you can own that. That can be yours. I'll give it. Thank you. (laughs) So last thing on intertextuality, then like I was saying about like overall, you know, enjoyment of this story, do you think it does really require us to have that history with Yvonne, or do you think they do a good enough job of recapping it? This is where I think my – I don't think the towel scene would be nearly as impactful if you have not been familiar with it. Even with the history that you know from flashbacks and things like that, I don't – it just wouldn't make the impact. This This movie – is dependent, or at least it's understanding a dependence on seeing this franchise at some point, and Rocky IV specifically. Like I, I, I would think that this creative team is like, go see Rocky IV, and then see, and then watch this. And I, I wish that it didn't, because as much as I argue that Rocky and Creed are two different franchises. When you're investing yourself in previous characters, you're pretty much making the investment in your audience and saying, hey, you should probably be familiar with this stuff, too. We can throw it in here and there, but, yeah, I don't think it would have nearly been as impactful if you hadn't seen Rocky IV. I don't either, Um, and I I don't have a problem with that at all Uh, in in Creed II. I think, if anything, I I would have a problem if someone complained about it. Because they didn't see the Rocky films. But I would simultaneously somewhat understand their frustration because of an expectation that I'm seeing a movie called Creed 2. Um, it's just an unfortunate kind of middle ground place that this film just exists in that not yeah. a lot of them have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, but I do – I am so glad that I took the time to rewatch all of these films leading up to this because it enhanced this viewing for me tenfold like catching on to those little things. Anything else big that you want to hit on? No, I think. Do you like how it wrapped up uh, like post fight? Do you like how the story ended and where it left off? Yeah, I think visually I thought it really satisfied me personally. Um, I think that the fight itself was dramatic. I thought it was, uh, I, I thought it was a fitting into a fight. And I honestly didn't expect the towel. That was what was nice for me. I didn't expect to see that. I expected, because we've seen everything else. We've seen Rocky win a fight. We've seen our protagonist win a fight. We've seen him lose a fight. Um, And I didn't see that coming. I was manipulated by a franchise. (laughs) And I really liked the fact that we got what we got. It took me a minute to kind of absorb it and go, would that have really happened? And then I said, yeah, yeah, it really would have. Because it, yeah, 
it would have happened. Yeah. And it, you know, I think both of our connecting points have, well, minus something to do with the ending. Yours does too, I think a little bit, but I, I liked that we ended with Adonis at the grave. Um, it took a second because when I saw it, I first, I went, I, my first thought was, Oh boy, we're going to overdo this. But then I realized, you know, man, we've never once seen him talk to his dad and address his father. And while this is not something I personally do, you know, of course, I live like in Seattle and my mom is buried in Arkansas, so I can't, I guess. Um, I understand the significance of it. And I think going back to intertextuality, referencing the way that Rocky always continually visits Adrian and Polly. Um, this is a great comparison of this is how Adonis handles that same exact type of thing, because it's totally different. Um, it's much it's much you know, it's more, un- it's, it's him, uh, you know, it, it's done in his style, his way. It's awkward, um, but he's got his daughter with him and it's, it's really, really sweet. And, and I liked that a lot. Yeah. And I like the, the paralleling of Rocky's reconciliation with his son, with his grandson, along with Apollo's reconciliation with his dad, with his dad's granddaughter. I thought that was really symbolically fitting to in the movie that way yeah me too well let's get on with the connecting points then and i'm gonna say why don't you go first okay this was not a moment that made a significant impact on the plot as a whole i think it definitely added to it but it was the other moment that i teared up and probably blubbered the most so if the 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 ear test made me cry. This one made me want to just cover my face and just say, stop looking at me, Swan, because I was just to a point of embarrassment. It was the moment that Rocky approached that payphone to call Robert while Adonis was with his lovely Bianca and they were having this this wonderful baby. And when we last left these two individuals, um, Rocky and Robert, it was in Rocky Balboa, and I thought Rocky Balboa did a great job at sort of reconciling their relationship. But then Creed gives us this little hint of a severed relationship. You know, Adonis starts, he goes and lives with lives with Rocky in Polly's old room. Adonis asks about Robert, and he's like, "Yeah, we're not really that close." He's living in New York with with his his wife, and I don't know if he has a child at this point. But that little nugget starts to get unpacked more in this movie. And that manipulation that I spoke of was really in full force at this point. Um, one, it was my emotional reaction was completely unexpected. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this moment and I'm starting, it's probably because I just watched the, the ear test. And I'm like, oh gosh. Or no, I didn't watch the, I don't know when it was. It was close by. Um, but I clearly remember sitting up in my seat, putting my hands to my face and going, call him call your son call him call him and there felt like two minutes worth of just silence of looking at that phone number and it was oh he doesn't follow through and i'm like no 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 you're supposed to pick up the phone and call him you know things are good with adonis and bianca and they're having this baby you're supposed to call your son 
You're supposed to reconcile with him. This is what's supposed to happen. And when he doesn't follow through, it just rips my heart out. And there were just tears flowing, man, all down my face. What I thought was going to happen, it didn't. And I hurt. I, I felt myself hurting alongside this character. In that moment, I felt the weight of what had begun to be hinted at in Creed come to full fruition in that moment. And that's why it made his reunion with Robert and his grandson so much more powerful and such a great exclamation point to what I consider the passing of the torch to Adonis in both story and character and the retiring of this Rocky character. I think that I don't, I don't know that Kugler was wanting more to happen with that couple, those couple of throwaway lines about Rocky and his son not being close. Maybe that was just kind of emphasizing the fact that Rocky's on his own, but I love the fact that that was taken and that was run with, and that became a thread in this movie when it came to talking about that father son relationship. I, I love that final moment where, where Robert says, do you want to come in? And Rocky and his Rocky way just kind of shrugs. He goes, yeah, yeah. And he comes in and the, he doesn't even wait. Robert just wraps his arms around him and just gives him this big man hug. And then <laughs> I love that the ball, um, that you and I have gotten so familiar with in the Rocky franchise becomes a toy for his grandson to play with. Even that's being passed on. Like, hey, let's go throw the ball around because that's what fathers and sons do. They throw a ball, in this case, a father and a grandson. And it was just so perfect. Um, but going back to that moment, I don't think that ending would have been nearly as impactful had that moment been sort of teased and not followed through. It was like, no. Because it made me, when when I saw him walking up those steps, I was like, those aren't his steps. <gasps> those aren't his steps. No, no, those are Robert's steps. He's going to knock on the door. And he does, and yay. And I imagine a world where Rocky and Robert have this fantastic relationship. Just as a, as a, as a callback, there's this fantastic moment where he is looking at these two photos on the fridge in his little simple apartment. And I think they're of his first son who actually passed away um, during the filming of Creed. I, I want to say it's, it's that, that, that kid, the actual person. Um, and if so, man, kudos. Cause yeah. that's just even wow. But yeah. Yeah. And his son, his son actually played his son. Yes. In yeah, Rocky, in Rocky five, five for sure. Yeah. Um, that's the only one. And then, yeah, he passed away. Um, I, I agree. It's a, it's a very touching moment and I wholeheartedly agree that it is makes the ending and the meeting way more powerful. And I love that it's done in person uh, versus on the phone. And I like to believe that the reason he delayed doing it on the phone is because he knew that, and he knew that he just needed to go see him. It needed to be more than a phone call. Um, I know it's probably because he was just still chicken, but whatever. He got there in the end, so I like that. Um, and I also think that, it, it, there's an intentionality to carrying on his progression of story. There. I mean, Kugler wrote the screenplay or co-wrote the screenplay to Creed, but he very much was involved in, you know, Stallone wrote the screenplay for Creed too. So I, I, I don't have a doubt that the way that the character progression happened in these two films was a joint thing all along. Um, either way, it, 
it's a great choice, <laughs> and I completely agree with you. And I love that you said passing the torch, because my connecting point has something to do with that, too. So there's a lot of fantastic choices in this, being a very heavy, dramatic film. Um, I could have pointed out quite a few. The ear test was one that destroyed me, um, very, very much so. Uh, it was it was probably one of the toughest things to watch in the entire movie. But there's a pair of kind of quick shots in the end during the final boxing match and directly after that really are where the thematically it just all worked together to be amazing for me. And it just broke me. One is which even has gone to throw in the towel. And I just love how all of these scenes play out with Rocky and Yvonne looking at each other, a nod, a moment of acknowledgement. And you're wondering what Yvonne's going to do now that, his wife has walked out of the arena and I genuinely didn't, I didn't know. I, I didn't know if he was going to go attack Rocky. I didn't know if he was going to throw in the, t- I didn't know that was coming. I couldn't, I couldn't foresee that. And so when I see him pick it up and throw it in, I said, okay, that makes sense. He's making a choice to protect his son for once. But when he walks in the ring and he hugs Victor and Victor is fighting against the hug because it's foreign to him. And he's lost, and he's angry and frustrated and doesn't know what to feel. And his dad just says, it's okay. <sighs> like that, like I told you, I mean, I'm, I'm bawling. I'm, I'm like crying in the theater over the villain, losing the fight. And not because he lost the fight, but because everything that's happened to them has brought them to a moment where the father cares about the son. And gosh, it was just so touching to me. Um, and I, and I loved it. I loved that in that moment, it felt like a lifetime of anger and pressure on Victor just falls away. And it just is, is this beautiful thing. And then also we, it's great because later we see them running again and they're running side by side. And I, and I thought that was, you know, you didn't have to throw that in there, but it was a great final way to show us that it went beyond that moment of it's okay in the ring to a lifestyle change, to a, a change in the way their relationship would go on for the rest of their lives. Sorry. I, I really, it was really moving for me. Um, no, don't, don't you apologize. <laughs> and, don't you uh, apologize for <laughs> and the, uh, the corresponding moment at the end of, is at the end of the fight is Creed is celebrating in the ring. It's, it's over. They're, they're going to, to raise his hand and it's Rocky on the outside looking up at Adonis and, Adonis is like, come on, come on. And he creed and, and Rocky declines to enter the ring. And he says, it's your time. And I know it's obvious, like that's the passing of torch line of dialogue, but it works. And it, and it was very moving for me as well, um, because I felt like this is it. Adonis is in that ring surrounded by people he loves, his mom, his new trainer, Bianca, like they're there. And it's finally all about him. And it's not about his famous trainer. Because the whole lead up to the Conlon fight in Creed is about the fact that Rocky is training Adonis. Yeah, who is this kid? Does he have what it takes to fight? But Rocky, Rocky, Rocky's in the corner. And then here again, Rocky's in the corner. So Rocky makes the conscious decision to stay out of that corner and let it all be about Adonis. And I think that these two moments were just the perfect culmination of this film and this and both the stories of Rocky and Yvonne, if this is where they end. 
I, I couldn't honestly imagine them being done better than that, and they pretty much blew me away with how it ended. Uh, and, I, and I just really, really loved it. It's such a great thing to know that you can, in my opinion, land a plane with that many characters and feel satisfaction of all those different arcs that you've set up either from Creed or even within the confines of, of Creed 2. And to do that, what I consider very successfully, is pretty amazing. Yeah, me too, man. It's good stuff. It is. Well, next week, we are going to move on from the Rocky franchise, frankly, because there's really nothing left to talk. Well, there is if we want to go backwards, but we're going to save that for another time. Sure. Um, we are going to be talking about Green Book, which I mentioned earlier, and I'm super excited about that. I saw it a few weeks ago, and I really, really love it. I'm urging everyone I know to go see it, and hopefully us covering it on the podcast might even sway a few folks that otherwise might not prioritize it. Um, take the family. Uh, it is a, a beautiful family feel-good movie, but I think that it has a lot to say, and I think that people could learn some good lessons from that film. And I'm excited to talk about it with you, and I'm excited for you to see it. Um, folks, if you want to continue the conversation with me, you can do that online all over the place, but primarily the best place is usually Twitter. I'm at Feelin' Film. Uh, you can also find me in our awesome Facebook group that I mentioned earlier today. Um, we'd love to have as many of you come join that as possible. Patrick, where can people find you? I'm usually hanging out on social media at Shoeless Patch on Facebook, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. I'm also on Twitter at that same handle. And again, we just wanted to send out another quick thank you to all of you guys that have been listening for the last two, two and a half years, new listeners that have come up. And we're especially thankful for our patrons who we know we still have a November donor pick episode to get to you in the form of Ratatouille. And there are also a few more bonus episodes of our Feelin' Film staff top 100 coming your way. And those will be happening in the next couple of weeks. So please stay tuned, be faithful, and keep listening because we are excited to bring those to you as we find time. Obviously, the holidays can get pretty busy, but we will make it a point to stay dedicated to you and to get these things out in between these major holidays. All right, man. Well, I look forward to those as every episode, and I hope that the listeners do too. And you all listening, until next time, always, 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 always stay positive. And keep film film. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs>